0: Anything but peaceful. It wasn't creating peace at all. Most Jews who were looking for the Messiah expected the Messiah to come and obliterate all of their enemies. They were looking for a Messiah who would be like Joshua from the Old Testament, who would lead them to destroy all the pagan nations and drive out all the pagan people. And so, as a result of this mindset, the people weren't peacemakers, they were ready for war. There's a group of people that you'll see as you study the New Testament called the Zealots. And the Zealots were a group of Jewish people who created war through rebellion toward the government and did it in the name of God. And then there was another group of people, we talked about this in our introduction, um, the Essenes, and the Essenes hid in the desert waiting on God to judge everybody else. And then there were the Pharisees, and the Pharisees taught with such a judgmental and proud spirit that nobody had peace at all around them. And so Jesus preached in a day of political unrest and also of spiritual unrest. Now ever since the Garden of Eden, there's been a lack of peace. In the Garden of Eden, man rebelled against God, and ever since then, mankind has been at war with God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 10, that we are enemies of God, that we followed the ways of the great enemy of God, Satan, who created war with God in heaven, drawing away a third of the angels. And, and don't, don't, don't say, whoa, how in the world did he draw away a third of the angels? Because he drew away 100% of humanity. And as a result of of mankind's rebellion, we've seen nothing but unrest in our world. Our world's been plagued with war. And the sinful heart of human beings is the greatest enemy to peace. James 4, 1 and 2. From whence comes wars. James says they come from within you. But God has called us to be peacemakers. And so I want us to look tonight at some characteristics of kingdom people as it relates to being a peacemaker. Now let's begin with this idea, God is a God of peace. The Bible begins in a peaceful garden, doesn't it? And it ends on the peaceful shores of heaven. God started this world in peace. God's going to end this world in peace. You know, the, the Scripture calls God in many different ways a God of peace. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 calls Him the Lord of peace. Isaiah 9.6 calls Him the Prince of peace. Proverbs 15.33 calls Him the God of peace. And in fact, the, the entire Godhead is involved in bringing peace. God the Father is the Lord of peace. The Son is the Prince of peace. And the Spirit is the one who bears the fruit of the Spirit, which is peace in our lives. Now, God alone possesses perfect peace. He's the only one who is absolutely perfectly peaceful. And because He's the only one who is absolutely perfectly peaceful, God is the great peacemaker. But in order to bring peace, God had to bring conflict. You see, the message of of Christ brings conflict, doesn't it? When you tell a person they're a sinner, that's conflict. When you tell a person there's no way to be saved except through Jesus, that's conflict. When you tell a person they have to repent of their sins, that's conflict. And the reason that the message of Christ brings conflict is because people love their sin. Righteousness has to precede peace. There'll never be peace if there isn't righteousness. Christ didn't come to give us peace with no conditions. In order to have peace with God, we have to turn away from our sin, don't we? And as we do this, we place our faith in Jesus, it's God who alone possesses perfect peace who gives us peace. Now, God has gone to great measures to extend this peace to us. God wanted to be at peace with us more than we wanted to be at peace with Him. Because he sent his own son to die a cruel and agonizing death on the cross so that you and I could be at peace with him. The book of Colossians chapter 1 verse 20 says, Having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. Ephesians 2 14, speaking of Jesus, says he is our peace. He is our peace. And when Jesus was born... The angels cried out, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace and goodwill toward man. So God has gone to great measures in extending His peace to us, and that is shown in that He sent Christ. Now, God wants the whole world to be at peace with Him. See, God not only sent His Son to die so that you and I can have peace, He also commanded that the good news of the gospel be preached in all nations. Every creature. And He has sent people all over the world, according to Romans 10.15, to preach the gospel of peace. So here we have God who alone possesses peace, God who extends this peace to those who repent of their sins and put their faith in Christ, and God who desires that humanity be at peace with Him and with one another. Now, if you're a kingdom person, and kingdom people means you're saved. He's describing people in the kingdom of God in this section of Scripture. Kingdom people are at peace with God. Now, why? How did that happen? How did you and I become at peace with God? Well, because all the demands of the law have been met in Christ. And we've entered into a union with Christ through faith and repentance. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And so God has given us the peace of God, according to Philippians 4 7, which surpasses all understanding. And so, so our, greatest, our greatest joy in life should be knowing that despite the fact that through our sin we declared war on God, God has now brought us through Christ into a peaceful relationship with Himself. The psalmist said in Psalm twenty nine eleven, the Lord will bless His people with peace. You know, what a blessing it is to be at peace with God. What a blessing it is to go to bed at night and know you're at peace with God. Because I tell you what, it, there, was, there were times you couldn't do that. There were times you wasn't saved. When you weren't born again. And it was only by the grace of God that you woke up the next day. And didn't die at enmity with God. So kingdom people are at peace with God. Now, this is where it gets a little more difficult for us. Kingdom people are Peacemakers. Now, now it's only natural that since God went to great measures to give us peace, that we should go to great measures to extend that peace. I mean, if Christ is our example, and He is, and Christ went to great measure to give you peace with God, then it would only follow that you and I would also go to great measure to extend peace to other people. And Christ tells us in this verse that one of the distinct qualities of a believer is is his or her desire toward a commitment of peace. Now I want us to consider some truths about this tonight. The first truth is this. Being a peacemaker doesn't mean being a pushover. Being a peacemaker doesn't mean being a pushover. Because somebody says, what if you're going to be a peacemaker, you just can't ever say anything. You just got to go with the flow. Whatever people say. Look, you don't have to forsake your integrity for peace. Did God forsake His integrity? Did God say, well, you know what? They're just going to live in sin, so I'm just going to be at peace with them. Is that the way God did it? No, God didn't do that. God didn't forsake His integrity. You see, we desire peace, but more than anything, primarily as Christians, we desire that people be at peace with God. And we know that people can't be at peace with God and remain in rebellion toward God. That means that there are times that you and I have to identify what is wrong in a person's life and point that person to what is right and say, Wait a minute, it's clear that you're not at peace with God because you're living in rebellion toward Him. You see, the peacemaker doesn't just agree with everyone for the sake of peace. And, and maybe you know someone like, you know someone that that, that they're just going to go along with whatever because they don't want to cause any type of ruckus and they don't ever want to upset anybody. That's not what it means to be a peacemaker. When you read the Gospels and then when you read the book of Acts and you see Christ preaching, it's very clear that He tells the truth. And when you see the New Testament church, they're, they're confronting sin and, and they're getting people upset with them. So being a peacemaker doesn't mean being a pushover. In other words, you say, well, you know what, I can't, I can't talk to my kids anymore because every time I talk to them, they just get mad at me. No, 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 no. That's, that's not what that means. It's not being a pushover and just letting people do whatever they want to do. That's not what being a peacemaker is because if you want the peace of God in their life, the only way that the peace of God's going to come in their life is if they repent of their sin and put their trust in Christ. See, being, being a peacemaker means... That we seek to reconcile God and man. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.18 that God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. What are we reconciling? God and man. That's the reconciliation. And you know the greatest way to be a peacemaker? To be a soul winner. Because when you win a soul, what have you done? You've made peace. You've brought peace. Peace. Romans 10.15 says, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. Now, now if you're saved in here tonight, you want to see people saved. And when somebody's saved, they go from being an enemy with God to being at peace with God. Therefore, you have become a peacemaker when you win somebody to Christ. So being a peacemaker means that we seek to reconcile God and man. We are soul winners. Being a peacemaker also means that strife breaks our heart. You know, the Bible says that before we came to know Christ, Titus 3.3 3 says this. It says we were hateful and hating one another. Wasn't that tough? That's what Titus 3.3 3 says. It says before we were saved, we were hateful and we were hating one another. That don't mean you hated everybody. But you hated somebody. After Christ came into our heart, though, what happened? He filled us with love. He filled us with love. And now, John 13, 35, we're known by what? We're known by our love. Our love for one another. And so as a result of this new nature, as a result of being saved, being born again, strife breaks our heart. In other words, we care... When we see that there's another believer who has a problem with us. It it breaks our heart. Our heart is troubled. It's difficult for us to rest. It's difficult for us to come to church and worship correctly. And so as a result, we go the extra mile to make sure that there's peace within our relationships. And and let me say this to you, church. Nothing destroys a church like strife. Strife will empty a church out. Amen. And what happens in many of our churches is there are no peacemakers. There are people who say, oh, "I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to cause any trouble." And then there's the troublemakers. But there's no one to come and actually seek a biblical, biblical way of peace. Instead of being peacemakers, our churches are full of problem makers. But how, how can we as Christians, how can we be a peacemaker in the body of Christ? Let's think about that tonight. How can I be a peacemaker in the body of Christ? Well, the first thing that's going to have to happen if you're going to be a peacemaker is you've got to be humble. You've got to be humble. Proverbs 13.10 says, Only by pride comes a contention. In other words, if there's contention, there's pride somewhere. Only by pride comes contention. If there's strife, you can bet there's pride. And pride will keep us from being a peacemaker. You know, when when troubles arise, our flesh would rather get angry. Our flesh would rather just stew about something. Our flesh would rather just gossip about something. The flesh would rather do anything than swallow its pride and go to the person and attempt to bring peace. If we want to be at peace within our church, we have to be humble enough to be a peacemaker. And if you're going to be a peacemaker, you know what that means? That means that you're going to have to be the initiator. You're going to have to be the initiator. No, no, going back to the example of Christ, here's the thing God was the initiator with us. You received peace with God, but but who was the initiator? It was God. God initiated that peace. And He's our example. And so it's our responsibility now to, to, to begin building bridges of reconciliation. And we should never allow fear or pride or anything like that to keep us from being a peacemaker. And so, so we have to be the initiator. And i tell you, and, and, and I'm not just talking about Jefferson Street Baptist Church here. I'm just talking about Baptist churches in general. You know... Very, very seldom will you ever see an individual in church who will go to the individual they're upset with and tell that individual what's wrong. Normally, they'll come to somebody like me and tell me, well, blah, 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 blah. And you know what I'll say? I'll say, well, why don't you go talk to them? They're the ones you've got a problem with, amen? You see, that's how you're a peacemaker. You're an initiator. You say, you know what, I'm not going to gossip about this. I'm not going to go bring people into this circle who aren't already here. You ever notice there's a little circle and somebody starts trying to pull everybody into it? there should have just been two people in that circle? And now there's 20? You be the initiator. You go. You be the initiator. And when you do that, you have to be patient. Because if a person refuses to reconcile, they say, I don't care, I don't like you. And get out of my face. I don't know what they might say to you. Hey, don't get in the flesh about it. To the best of your ability, just remain at peace with them. Trust that God's going to work in that person's life. God was patient with you. Amen? Most of us don't come on the first call. Right? God was patient with us. So you have to be the initiator. You have to be patient. You also have to be sacrificial. You know how your peace was given? A sacrifice. You got peace with God because of a sacrifice. The sacrifice of Jesus, obviously. And there may have to be some personal sacrifices you make in your life to be at peace. By the way, this is especially true in a husband-wife relationship. That oftentimes, in order to have peace in a relationship, a marriage relationship, you have to be willing to make some sacrifices. It might be a hobby, or it might be rest, or it might be the television program. I don't know what it is. But whatever you have to sacrifice... Unless it's your integrity, you should be willing to insac- sacrifice that so you can have peace in your marriage, peace in your home. So you have to be the initiator. You have to be the one who says, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go to this person and talk to them and bring peace in this situation. You have to be, you have to be patient. You have to understand that that person, it, 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 they, they may not want anything to do with you. You have to be sacrificial. You might have to give up something. And, and, then, and then you have to be prepared. Not everyone we attempt to make peace with is interested in being at peace with us. Everyone who God wants to save certainly isn't saved, are they? Romans 12, 18 says, If it be possible, as much life within you, live peaceable with all men. Did you get that? He said, If it be possible. Now, why did Paul say that? Why did Paul say, If it be possible? Be at peace with all men. Because he knew sometimes there were some people you just can't be peaceful with. They're not not interested in it. Sometimes you can do everything right. Sometimes you can do everything you were supposed to do, and they still want to fight. They they still want to fuss. And in that situation, you know what the best thing to do is? The best thing to do is remove yourself from that situation. Now listen, don't, don't run and get a divorce. I'm not talking about that, okay? If you're married to them, you're stuck with the money, okay? But if you're not married to them... Sometimes the best thing you can do is just remove yourself from that situation. Strife is contagious, by the way. It's contagious. And if you spend much time around somebody who is starting fires, for long you'll smell like smoke. And if you spend a lot of time around people who are strifeful and mad and upset and never at peace, you'll find yourself that way. You'll find yourself that way. Now, this is important. I I think this is really neat that this fell on election night, don't you? Because I'm not seeing a whole lot of peacemakers out there. My goodness, Facebook is a cesspool. You go on there and nobody's trying. I think some people put posts on Facebook just to make people mad. I think they're thinking, well, I I can't wait until so-and-so sees this. I'm going to put it, and I can't wait until they see it. And it's going to really upset You ought not to do stuff like that. You ought not to do stuff to provoke people. But I feel like we're living in a culture now where it's us and them, you know? And, and we need to be careful about that. This, is, this has been a very contentious season for us during the election, and there's a whole lot of strife. And, uh, you know, we just don't need that in the body of Christ. We don't need it in the, in the body of Christ. We can stand on our convictions. We can vote biblical values, and we should do that. We absolutely should. But at the end of the day, we need to remember, this is not our home. We are pilgrims. We are passing through. We're citizens of heaven, the Bible says. Now look at the promise he says here. Peacemakers shall be called the children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, they shall be called the children of God. So the idea is, is God's children emulate His character, they mimic Him. He's a peacemaker, therefore they're peacemakers. And our character reveals the condition of our soul. Man, this is something Baptists really need to learn. We really need to learn this. It, what reveals the condition of your soul is not whether you come up this altar or not. Or got in that baptistry back there. That has very, very little to do with it. The way you know a person is saved is you look at their life. Have you been changed? What's your character like? And so when he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God, the children of God are saved people, okay? These are the saved people. They're the children of God. The Bible says there's children of God and then there's children of the devil. And I know some of you have been taught that we're all God's children, but the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that we're all children of the devil, but God will adopt us into his kingdom as his children if we'll repent of our sin and put our trust in Christ. And how do you know that that's happened? The character of a person. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. You know, the child of God has a wonderful privilege, by the way, just to be called a child of God. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God, John said. Just to be called by His name is a great privilege. But we've also been given more than His name. We've been given the inheritance of the Father. What the Father has, He's He's given to us. We're special to God. We're we're close to His heart. And we're going to spend eternity worshiping this great Father who brought peace to us through His dear Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a blessing. Now it's been said that that if... Blessed are the peacemakers is true. It must also be true. Cursed are the peace breakers. Right? If blessed are the peacemakers is true, then it must follow. Well, cursed are the peace breakers. What are you tonight, friend? Are you a troublemaker? A peace breaker? Always stirring it up. Cause and problems? Or are you a peacemaker? Standing on the Word of God, of course. Keeping your integrity, but doing your best to bring peace to lost souls through the gospel and to keep peace in your church through love and grace. Remember, there's two families in this world. There's the children of God and there's the children of the devil. And we're known, Jesus says, by whether we're peacemakers or not. So the question I should ask myself is this an internal question Am I a peacemaker or am I a peacebreaker? Am I a peacemaker or am I a peacebreaker? I hate to go back to Facebook or anything, but it's just the most obvious to me, you know. You ever read the comments on Facebook? Somebody will say something and then everybody writes the comments underneath them. And somebody can say the most wonderful thing in the world, you know. But somebody in the comments is going to have to say something smart-alecky. Something accusatory. If that's you, if you're that type of person who have never seen a sunny day you couldn't ruin... You need to repent. Because as a Christian, you should find joy in peace. True peace. Godly peace. But you should find joy in peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called the children of God. Amen. Well, God bless you.